the most we're talking about magic mike singer mike welcome back how you doing dj it's my pleasure to be here you ready to do this man i am ready are you ready to go around the world and start talking about some great wrestling oh you better believe it buckle in folks we're in for a long flight this week but trust me you're gonna enjoy it every single second of the way you know what we're gonna we got some really cool stuff we uh, saw this week both of us we talked about it and you know what sometimes great wrestling can prove even me and magic mike to be a little off because we had some opinions about certain things and i'm looking at you impact but you know what impact proved itself right this week and we're going to talk about how great it was but before we get started let's talk about the rumblings going on this week rumblings will be news and rumors I'm going to start off with the news portion. One of the cool things that was happening last week was the formation of the new Hart Foundation in Major League Wrestling. That's MLW out in the East Coast. This was the team of Brian Pillman Jr., Davey Boy Smith Jr., and Teddy Hart. And I got to tell you, fans, being a guy from Western Canada, those the fathers of the, those guys were guys that I grew up watching in the so-called territory days before the independence and it's kind of cool to see these guys wrestling together i've known brian pillman well i haven't known brian pillman jr i gotta say that he has started his career just recently i knew his father very well for many years in stampede wrestling davy boy smith jr i've interviewed this guy many times he is a mountain of a man and teddy hart teddy hart will surprise you with how athletic and crazy he is but he's also sometimes one of those guys where you're not sure if he's firing on all cylinders sometimes. So I'm really excited. I hope the New Heart Foundation travels across the Indies and we see more of them. In other news, we forgot to talk about last week, it was a, an important piece for New Japan, was Jay White, Switchblade Jay White, has joined the Bullet Club of all groups. Did not see that one coming after his fallout with Okada. Uh jumping members of chaos leaving his own stable which is sort of a no-no taboo jay white finds himself with the bullet club og the original bullet club gangsters they like to call themselves and in that same vein i also we had news this week that the elite of the bullet club have now decided they are no longer part of bullet club and will for now for now on will be called the elite they're cutting all ties with bullet club yeah, this is something that I've seen coming for a while, TJ, because as I said last week, we've seen a lot of micro-factions come out of this particular stable. And I think what we're seeing now is the egos beginning to come into play, because let's look at this thing from top to bottom. You've got some of the best talent in the world, not just in New Japan, but in the world in this organization. But time tells the story. I mean, we've seen it with many other popular stables. We saw it with Four Horsemen. We saw it with the NWO. 
We saw it with evolution. Eventually, eagles begin to start, bit, you know, coming to the surface. And when that happens, normally it just blows up into a big debacle. So this doesn't really surprise me at all. Well, I, I, how could it surprise anyone when you really think about it? Imagine you're in a team and then like five members of your team decide that they're the elite of the team and that you guys are the team and they're the better of the team. Doesn't really make for good teamwork. Moving on, we have some signings across the Indies this week. Gamma Singh Jr., formerly of Western Canada, has joined his father in Impact under the name Raj Singh and is still being presented as the son of Gamma Singh. I got to tell you, Raj Singh is a tremendous wrestler. I think we're going to see some really good stuff coming out of him from Impact. I actually, just two nights ago, got a hold of him on the phone. We talked, and he's willing to grant us an interview in a couple weeks, and that will play on the show and find a little bit about him, okay? And another person that was just signed to Impact, Jordan Grace. Now, this lady is a powerhouse. She's small, but she is... Well, she's not tiny. Let's get that straight. She's not very tall, but she is a powerhouse of a lady. And ironically, I have an interview with her that will be playing probably down the, down the road sometime. Yeah, the first time I saw this girl, I'll tell you, she's, she's a genetic freak. I mean, she's got some arms on her that I know I wouldn't want to cross her or get on her bad side. But yeah, the fact that she's signing to a major company like Impact pretty much puts the rest of the women on that roster on notice because when you have somebody like that coming along, you know, you got to totally change your game plan. You got to totally change the way you, you approach your matches because she's like nothing impact has seen, especially since the days of awesome Kong. Well, you know what? Uh, and another thing, she was probably one of the sweetest ladies that I got a chance to interview. And we'll, we'll, we'll have that interview someday down in time capsule. And on my last bit of news, um, probably no surprise to a lot of people, but Adam page of the elite, has decided not to re-sign with ROH. That is the official news out there. I have no idea where he's headed or what, but hey, time will tell. Let's turn it over to you, Magic Mike. I believe you've got a bunch of rumors that you've been listening with this week. Yeah, in fact, I do, TJ. There's a lot of things going on right now in the world of professional wrestling. As you said, there's a lot of news that's becoming more prevalent over the last several weeks. But as of right now, one of the rumors that I've heard is that Cody Rhodes is in the works to make another all-in pay-per-view. Um, I'm sure if anyone knows this business knows that Chris Jericho has his annual uh, cruise where he brings other uh, wrestlers from different organizations onto the boat and they have a weekend of wrestling on a cruise ship, which is different, but I think it's kind of pretty cool myself. But it was there that Cody made the announcement that somewhere down the line, off the success of the first all-in, he wants to do a second one. And to be honest with you, I think if they do put that out there, it may be just as good or if not better than the first All-In because a lot of people have said the same thing that I've said. It was one of the best pay-per-views that we've seen off the independent scene for quite some time. Another rumor that's going around. You know, we discussed last week how New Japan's beginning to kind of catch up to WWE as far as like their popularity here in the States and in North America. Well, believe it or not, the rumor that's going around right now is that New Japan is attempting to, acqui to acquiesce some talent from WWE. Now, that's a pretty bold thing to do. But that just shows you where New Japan's trying to make their mark here in North America. They've been a powerhouse overseas in Japan for many, many years. But now they're reaching into this part of the world. And by signing WWE talent, well, what can you say? That's going to bring notoriety and recognition immediately to this brand. Now, you did say that Adam Page has no intention of re-signing with ROH. But the rumor that I'm hearing right now is that he wants to go to New Japan. And if he does do that, then all i got to say about that 
if he does go, it's going to do nothing but make his star shine much brighter. And uh, that's pretty much all the rumors I got for this week. So what else you got for us, TJ? You know what? I want to take a look now at New Japan POV. That's our point of view on the New Japan product. First of all, we've been talking uh, about the road to power struggle. Well, power struggle has finally came and happened. It's over. And some of the things that happen have some big repercussions, especially for Wrestle Kingdom coming up. I want to talk about the big news, first of all, coming out of this. Chris Jericho, who I believe is on sort of a Brock Lesnar kind of schedule because it seems like he's only wrestled, well, I think since he's won the belt, he's only defended it. Has he even defended this belt? It may have. No, yes, he did defend it. So he's wrestled twice this year. Uh, he put his belt up against Evil, one of the members of Los Ignobles, and a lot of people had thought this was the chance for Evil. Evil has been looking so great. He's really, uh, he's really made himself in the last year a almost a gimmick that would seem ridiculous. I mean, he calls himself Evil, but he's really made himself into a solid wrestler. And Chris Jericho manages to beat him in this match. And at the end of the match, he continued to beat him until until Evil's Los Ignobles partner. Uh, Tetsuya Naito, the leader of the group, came out, kind of chased Jericho off and challenged him. And it looks like that will be the rematch coming up at Wrestle Kingdom. Because it's ironic, Naito is who uh, Chris Jericho beat this belt for in the first place. But I'll tell you, you what, this, this thing with... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go right ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say, this to me is interesting because Chris Jericho has been around for a long time. But yet, the thing that I think makes him so good in this business is that he's always found a way to reinvent himself. And with this new character that he's doing in New Japan, uh, if people aren't familiar with it, he's actually painting his face, which is something I've never seen Jericho do. But it's getting the response that he's been looking for. The fans are standing up and taking notice of this. And I think with him being in New Japan, he's kind of doing what he feels is right to try and groom the talent that's coming up because he's already fought Kenny Omega. Great match. Uh, he ends up winning this match against Evil, but he gives Evil the rub in the process, if you understand what I'm saying with that. I do indeed. And uh, Chris Jericho, you're right. A guy who reinvents himself constantly. I mean, yeah, you watch this match. It's a great match, but it's not the kind of match you would have seen 10 years ago from Chris Jericho. It's a whole new style that he's adapted. He, he may be getting a little bit up there in age. He may not be able to keep the, the frantic style he used to, to do, but... He still manages to be very entertaining and with this new style that he has of a very aggressive, very violent uh, character. And a lot of his matches end up outside into the crowd, something you wouldn't see in the past with Chris Jericho. Now, moving on, we have one. We talked about this last week and we speculated maybe this might be a match, a rematch at Wrestle Kingdom. Nothing set yet, but Tomohiro Ishii did in fact pin Minoru Suzuki to retain his RPW British heavyweight title. That's right, he defended the British heavyweight title in Japan. Uh, and I, you got to wonder what the British feel, but the truth is they really love Ishii. He is very popular. We talked about the craziness of Minoru Suzuki, a man who is just violent. And these guys, of course, had a match. i got to tell you, Magic Mike, they, they drug each other across everything. And they stood there. We talked about that fighting spirit about slapping each other. There were times in that match I thought that Suzuki had pretty much knocked out Ishii with just the continuing pummels to the to the head, the elbows, the slaps. But Ishii kept powering up, red, as you can possibly imagine, a beating taken, and manages to retain. Well, moving on, we, we also talked about... Uh, 
we talked about the Super Junior Tag Team Tournament, the Super Tag League, held every year. This The winning team of this gets a title shot later on against the current champions. Well, it came down to a three-way match where Rapongi 3K actually pinned the team of Bu- of Bushi and Shingo and Desperado and Kanemoro. Desperado and Kanemoro are the current champions. They won last year's uh, Super Junior Tag League, and they look like they could almost take it again. But Rapongi 3K, who, after having a tremendous debut last year, have fizzled a bit during the year, have not had the greatest of showings, but have started to make a comeback. And I think that they are going to take a very serious run at these tag team belts. Well, folks, let's take a look now at New Japan POV. And, you know, something weird just happened. I was on the line with Magic Mike. I don't know what kind of magic powers he used, but he seems to have disappeared. And in his place, Rick Serrano third. Now, what's going on here, Rick? Where are you yeah. coming here? I don't know. I was just, I was taking a shower. And then all of a sudden, I feel a little tickle on the back of my neck, and now I'm here. This is what wrestling POV family is all about. Uh, one of us went down, and apparently one of us jumps up. Well, Rick, hey, it's great to see you, and I know you love wrestling, so I guess you get to hear about New Japan. Let's do it! Well, you know what? Last week, we had talked about the road to power struggle. Yes. Well, this week, it was power struggle, and there were some great matches culminating in the big main event of it all, Chris Jericho retains the Grand Prix Intercontinental belt over Evil. Now, I know you know uh, Brock Lesnar really well, don't you, Rick? Absolutely. Can you believe that he probably has a heavier schedule than Chris Jericho for wrestling? <laughs> that That's scary. Um, Jericho, man, listen, if he had the Brock Lesnar schedule, which he has right now, you can't blame him. The guy has been doing it for over 20 years. The guy's a rock star. He's a legend. And every time he does come back to the WWE, he puts on great performances just like he did here against Evil. You know what? I got to say, the man reinvents himself constantly. The current Chris Jericho, he's still as exciting as he was, say, 10, 20 years ago. But it's definitely not the same style. He's more of a brawler now. He's more of a an evil mastermind type wrestler. But... When's the last time you can think of a Chris Jericho match that ended up out in the crowd? Not too many of them. (laughs) Not too many. But you know what? He retains his belt. A lot of people thought this was Evil's time to step up. You know, Evil, despite having one of the ridiculous-looking gimmicks and names of a new wrestler, (laughs) has managed to make himself a credible heavyweight contender. And uh, I thought, too, that Jericho's time might be up. But, you know, Jericho beats Evil. And at the end of the match... Evil belongs to a group that we mentioned before called Los Ignobles de Japón, led by Tetsuo Naito. Naito came out and attacked Jericho at the end of this and said that he is going to fight Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom in a rematch because Jericho actually won this belt from Naito last year. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be intense, man. I'm excited about that. You see, the thing is with Jericho, even though everybody thought Evil was going to go over, Going in a match and having a great match like you did against Jericho, that's going to put you on the map. And that's just going to elevate your career. Definitely, definitely. Now, last week we talked about the craziness of when Tomohiro Ishii and Minoru Suzuki collide. Well, they collided at Power Struggle. And what some people may find odd is Ishii uh, Ishii actually won the RPW British heavyweight title 
against Minoru Suzuki in Japan. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, that's, it, that's a little bizarre. But the match was not bizarre. It was, you know, folks, we talked a lot about uh, strong style last week, people getting hit. There were so many times in this match where Suzuki was pounding Ishii so hard with elbows to the face or chops to the throat that Ishii had turned like red, blood red, looked like he was going to pass out at least twice in this match, but managed to gather himself up and power his way to a victory over Suzuki. Incredibly violent. If you want to see two men literally beat the living crap out of each other in a wrestling match, this was this week's pick for sure. Yeah, you know, I thought my wife hit me hard every time I talked about Eva Marie. Um, no, these two suckers slapped the taste out of each other's mouths, man. They were chopping each other hard. Well, you know, last week we kind of conjectured, would, uh, would Suzuki be facing Naito or perhaps Ishii? Well, with Naito going up against Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom, I'm st still not open, but there's still a chance that Ishii and Suzuki are definitely not done with each other. Oh, I definitely can see it happening again. Well, you know what? Uh, we talked a bit about last week about the the Super Junior Tag Tournament going on right now. The Super Junior Tag Tournament, will def it'll put out the winner of this tournament goes on to become the number one contending team. This year, I was very surprised because we talked about last week some of the guys who were in the top four, but the winner finally happened at Power Struggle, Rapongi 3K. The team that Rocky Romero uh, formed, who last year at Wrestle Kingdom came out to giant fanfare, won the belts, and then promptly lost them at the first title defense and have had a struggle of a year. They got to the end of the year, and it looks like they'll probably be in line to get a shot against Desperado and Kanemaru. Now, you know what? This like puts a lot of interesting things into perspective. Now we can see a bit of a picture of what Wrestle Kingdom is going to look like even more. We already talked about Kenny Omega defending against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, yep. we know, now we know Chris Jericho is putting the belt up against Naito. Two guys with two... They fought each other before. You got any opinions on these two guys? I mean, the more the merrier. You know, we've, we've seen it before. That means it's just going to get better. I mean, when we've seen Kenny Omega and... Uh, uh, what's his name? You gotta help me out here. You gotta help me out here, TJ. <laughs> Naito. Naito. When they we've seen it before, yes. and it works. So why not do it again? I mean, New Japan is one of those companies where we can see the same match four or five times, and every time they fight, it gets better and better. So why not do it again? Exactly. And you know what? I know you have an uh, an incredibly busy schedule, and you don't get to see tons of the guys in new japan so i will forgive you for not recognizing everyone's names because let's face it i i could watch wwe and not know half the guys too hey hey let's not forget i was in the middle of a shower when we I'm called so me to do this show okay okay looking on we do know that the junior heavyweight champion kushida formerly of the time splitters with chris saban will be taking on tg ishimori who's known as the bone soldier this is going to be a crazy match of Two extremely athletic men who really have a lot to prove. Kushido's had a really rough year and is only now starting to have signs of looking better. Meanwhile, Ishimori, the one of the latest acquisitions last year from the Bullet Club, has been trying to prove that he is a worthy contender. He was brought in by the Bullet Club because they wanted to win the, jun the junior um, tournament, and he didn't win it. So I think he has a lot to prove here. I think Kushida is going to be in for a heck of a night, but... People have written off Kushida before, and 
I just think this is going to be a tremendously fun match. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, the dude has a lot to prove. You don't want to make the Bullet Club angry, so definitely going to be watching out for that matchup. And so far, the only other match we know signed is Okada defending. Well, no defending. He's. I'm so sorry. I'm so used to Okada being champion for so right? long. <laughs> but Okada taking on Switchblade Jay White, who betrayed him. They were members in Chaos together, and then Jay White sort of weaseled and wormed his way around, said a lot of bad things, made a lot of uneasiness in Chaos, and then turned on his Chaos members, and now claims his most objective is to take out Okada to prove he's the best. So these are two guys with a lot of chips on their shoulders against each other, and I think this is going to be probably one of the more surprisingly good matches. I think it'll be one of the underrated matches on the card. Oh, I mean... Underrated, absolutely. I mean, it's Okada. I mean, Okada has been champ for about 18 years. The guy is amazing. He's going to put on a great show. We already know it. Wrestle Kingdom is going to be a great, great performance by all these guys. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be fun. It's a good way to start off the new year, that's for sure. Well, you know what? We're going to travel across the world now. From the, the land of Japan, we're going to come back to North America and take a look now at Impact POV. I got to tell you, last episode that we talked and we got together, Rick, I know me and Magic Mike were pretty hard on Impact last week. Yeah. We thought, wow, how's it? But you, I got to tell you, man, I watched this week's episode of Impact. Holy smokes. This was fun. This is the kind of stuff what I was complaining about last time that they didn't do, they were doing. We got to see big matchups and some great wrestling out of here. Now, we got to see Rich Swan beat Willie Mack, which was a really interesting match when you consider that Rich Swan is looks like he's probably half the size of Willie Mack. Exactly. Willie Mack <laughs> is no slouch. This is one of the big guys on the independent circuit right now. But Rich Swan, they had a great match. They're friends. There was no uh, there was no cheating. There was no uh, hard things between each other. They went in there, had a tremendous battle, and Rich Swan taking the win. Yeah, that was shocking. I mean. The two guys, like you said, they are friends and everything. It's always great to have a friendly matchup in wrestling because you know it doesn't always have to be a good guy versus a bad guy. Having the two friends come along and do this matchup was great. And like I said, Willie Mack is a guy to watch out for. I definitely see him in NXT very shortly. I don't think he's staying in Impact too much longer. Willie Mack, for his size, the way he moves around that ring is amazing. And Rich Swan, if he didn't mess up, he would be the Cruiserweight Champion right now. But I think that that bridge is burned. But Willie Mack, you can come to NXT anytime, I believe. Well, you know what? Uh, one of the things I'm very excited about was the debut of a new team. Well, a new old team. Uh, how do you say it? The new Desi Hit Squad. Uh, Gamma Singh had has his team, the Desi Hit Squad, out there for a while. Govinder Singh has been missing. They've been talking that he was sent back to uh, India for some more training or whatnot. So his current guy, Raj, whatever, I'm not very sure of this guy. I don't really follow him very well. But all of a sudden, out comes a new guy. Last week we talked about it. Nobody knew who he was. He is truly Gamma Singh's son, Raj Singh. And I love this because I have been a close personal friend of Raj Singh for about 10 years. Wow. I've known this guy really well. We actually talked uh, a couple nights ago on the phone, and he's agreed to do an interview on Global with us in a couple weeks once he gets settled in on him. Awesome. And uh, he's wanting to talk a bit about, you know, following in his father's footsteps. He's a legend here in Western Canada, but now you guys get to see how great Gamma Singh is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm really interested in this other guy you just mentioned, Missing. 
Gurvinder Singh? Yes. Um, oh, no, 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 no. Not Gurvinder Singh. You said missing. So who's missing? <laughs> um, there are so many Singhs. It is Gurvinder Singh is the one missing. Not Raj. Not Raj Singh, but oh Gurvinder TJ, TJ, listen. Rick Sorrell III here is making a wrestling POV joke. You saying his name is his last name is Singh, Miss yeah. Singh. You get oh it? Oh my lord! <laughs> oh. Okay, you got, Rick, you got me. That was that was that was clever. Yeah. And I'm gonna listen now because you're you're throwing the barbs out tonight. But I'm gonna dodge. I'm gonna be there. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, have you seen Tessa Blanchard much? The, oh the my, new, god, uh, my god! What do you think of this lady? This, I, like I said, uh, on the first episode of Wrestling POV Global, which is available on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You can check it out all for free. I said it last time. It was She's a great uh, worker, and I think she should have never signed a three-year contract with Impact, and she should have went to WWE because I would love to see her versus Charlotte. But she's going to dominate Impact, and she's going to be on top of that mountain for a long time because she is the best. One of the best workers, not in women's wrestling or men's wrestling. She's one of the best workers in Impact. Well, you know, she would have done her father extremely proud this week. As she took on Taya Valkyrie in a rematch from Bound for Glory, she pulled off a perfect Tully Blanchard move. In the middle of the match, as things were getting tough, she grabbed the referee and punched him in the face and got herself disqualified to retain <laughs> her title. Shades of Tully it. Blanchard all the way. Yeah. Now... I, I think we need to explain to some of the fans who've been tuning in about, they've been very vague about it lately, but there's two groups called LAX, yes. and it, they seem to be really at war with each other, and I just wanted to take this opportunity to explain what this is all about, okay? We all know the original LAX was Homicide and Hernandez, and uh, they had been managed after a while by Conan, but there seemed to be a bit of falling out and injuries and all sorts of things that both... Hernandez and Homicide had left, the had left the company. In their space, Conan brought in two guys called Ortiz and Santana, and they were now called LAX. Well, that was all good and fine until the original LAX showed up with Eddie Kingston declaring themselves the OGs. Well, these guys went to war, and folks, this isn't just the wrestling war. These guys were taking shots at each other in the streets. There was all sorts of violence from gangs. Finally, <laughs> the godfathers of the L.A. gangs, stepped in and basically called a forced truce between the OGs and LAX, saying they could no longer openly go at each other. So what does Eddie Kingston, who's probably one of the more brilliant minds, decides what's another way he could take a swipe at Conan? By attacking the Lucha Brothers, who are actually good friends of Conan, which set up a match last week where they, where Phoenix was attacked with, a, I believe it was a fork last week, Yep. This week, <laughs> this week, Pentagon Jr. took on Homicide, and once again, we've seen the OGs pulling off their usual kind of horribleness, as I'm going to say. They're not exactly nice guys. Definitely not nice guys. I mean, back in the day when LAX was running around TNA, I love these guys. Homicide and Hernandez was amazing. It just seems like now Hernandez has lost a step or two. Um like we said, when he was on Lucha Underground, he lasted five minutes in a match, in the, the seven-way match. And now on Impact, he's doing the ch the chops and the, the suck-it chops. I just don't get it. I, 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 Hernandez was never like that. I don't, I don't get what's going on with that. But again, the original LAX was amazing. 
I don't know. I'm not really feeling this whole thing with the OGs and LAX. I, I don't know. Conan could barely move. Um, it's just one of those things for me. I don't know. I'm, I'm not really feeling You're it. You're not digging it. You're not nah. digging it. I get that. The only thing I'm digging out of this is, uh, I got to admit, I really like Eddie Kingston. He this is amazing. Is, yeah, he's the best yeah. part of it. So I'm hoping that we'll see a little bit more of him and a little bit less of the OGs. Definitely. I agree. <laughs> Well, th this week, the main event had uh, Pentagon Jr. beating Homicide, which once again led to all the OGs attacking Pentagon and Phoenix coming in for the save. So definitely, we're looking at an OGs versus Lucha Brothers down the road. And that is something I could get on board with. I mean, again, Homicide, I'm, I have nothing against Homicide. Homicide is still doing things that um, he's been doing since the beginning. I mean, he's always had that unorthodox style, which is always been fun and and he he is a scary looking dude i mean he, he he looks like he was raised by pit bulls i mean that's just how ugly he looks but it goes with the character and everything and then of course you got the lucha brothers they're gonna they're gonna make anybody look good you know they're gonna make hernandez look like he's doing things that he used to do back in the day so i have no fear with the lucha brothers and the ogs going head to head i, I think that's gonna be a good matchup honestly and I got to say, Pentagon Jr. has probably one of the most unique looks that I've seen oh, yeah. in a very long time. Definitely. Well, you know what? I'm going to switch gears now and head over to the the thing we call Time Capsule. Yeah. Now, I need to know why on earth you had Brad Pitt as your intern for a little while. Because that guy drove me insane. All I was trying to do was explain what the Time Capsule box was about. Rick, I just spent the last two days in a shower curled up in a ball crying because... I told him it was in the damn box, but he just I know. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Brad, he he has some issues sometimes when you're not forward with exactly what you're saying. Sometimes you just got to just keep repeating yourself over and over again. He, he's hard of hearing sometimes. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, make sure you head over to the Wrestling POV Podcast Facebook page and check it out. TJ was definitely struggling with Brad Pitt when Brad Pitt was asking, What's in the box? And TJ... Oh just explain it to him that it's a time capsule. And, and and if you guys didn't hear that, TJ, why don't you explain what exactly the time capsule is? Well, the time capsule is for the last uh, 10 years, mo mostly in the last five years, I've gotten some very big interviews with a lot of uh, indie stars. And uh, we thought time capsule would be a good time to pull out some uh, of those interviews of stars who are right now even bigger stars and get a bit of a look back of what they were like, what they were talking about. Now, this one comes from late in 2015 when our good friend Kenny Omega, current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, was visiting up north here. I got a chance to sit down and talk with him. He had just regained his IWGP junior title at the, champ at the time. He was called the cleaner and he was in the Bullet Club, but he had his eye on the heavyweight division. We all know what happened when he graduated up. Now, Rick, did you get a chance to listen to this interview when I sent it in? Absolutely. I mean, this is a, a great interview, and I, you guys are going to love it. I mean, Kenny Omega is one of the nicest guys. He's, he's a great interview, and you guys are going to enjoy it. Well, here we go, folks. Let's take a look at Kenny Omega. Got a chance to talk to international superstar, current IWGP mid-heavyweight champion, or sorry, junior heavyweight champion. That's right. Kenny Omega. Kenny, first of all, welcome back to Canada. 
Thank you very much. It's good to be back and good to have a chance to rest and also uh, appear for RCW for the first time. Now, you know what? Uh, you're really making a, yourself a name now. Uh, you've always been known as a very strong international wrestler, but now you've joined the Bullet Club and you're right out there in the forefront of Japanese wrestling. Yeah, I mean... Uh, for people that search international wrestling, you know, I'm, my name is popping up all over the place, but I think it was only up until recently when North American fans, or fans that primarily watch WWE and TNA, ROH, you know, stuff that happens in our borders, um, now they have a chance to watch New Japan, so it's cool to uh, be seen by all of the fans of North American wrestling. Now, you know what, a big resurgence of uh, American interest within for Japan, Japanese wrestling, and definitely making waves, is the bull Club. Why are you guys so... Like, what's so successful about that formula? I think a lot of uh, characters that appear on TV, they're canned characters, they're written characters, and uh, you never get a chance to see real personality. Um, so I, I really do feel that uh, as the Bullet Club members who aren't scripted whatsoever, we just do what we want, say what we want, and uh, I think that really conveys that we're just a group of guys that are friends having a fun time. And I think when talented wrestlers, and like we're talking and some of the talent, most talented on the planet are having a fun time doing their job and making their living, it's going to come across as pretty cool and people are going to want to jump on board and have, have a fun time and party with us. You know, for so many people who turn on the television and they see Kenny Omega in whatever uh, venue they see, they see this international superstar, a lot of people forget you are from Winnipeg, or from at least the Winnipeg area and trained. Tell us a bit how a young Canadian guy grows up and becomes an international sensation. Well, there's no real answer for that. I mean, it was like the old stigma back in the day where if you grew up and wrestled in Winnipeg or even just in central Canada, you're doomed. You can't go anywhere. Um, it's unfortunate, but we don't have too many guys that have done big things in wrestling that are available as trainers, that are available for you know advice. Um, no one with any contacts to, to get people places. So to even get a chance to get somewhere, no one's going to call a favor in for you. You have to stand up like head and shoulders above the rest. And then when you get that chance, you have to knock it out of the park. And then when you come back, you got to knock it out of the park again. And then when you finally have the chance at the big match or a title and the chance to carry a company, you have to knock it out of the park. Because if you're traveling from central Canada, um, chances are you're going to be a, an expensive flight or an expensive gas tank or whatever it might be. Um, it just takes a lot of hard work and a lot of studying and uh, I mean, you know, a part of it too is just is heart and dedication and even natural ability. I just lucked out. I guess I had the right combination of things at the right time and uh, was able to make some magic when magic was needed. Now, how old were you when you first uh, made your first trip to Japan? Oh, wow. Well, uh, that was 2008. So if I'm to do some uh, simple math now, uh, being 31 and it's 2015. Seven years? Yeah, yeah. So I'm seven years ago. Um, seven years ago, uh, I made my first trip to Japan, and I wasn't making frequent trips at that point in time. In 2008, I made one trip, and in uh, 2009, I made like three. 
uh, it was only until 2010 where I really increased my schedule and I really said like hey I want to be out here and this is where I want to be full-time and I kind of gave up all of my indie responsibilities so that I was because uh, I was also a uh, contractor for ROH at the time too and uh, <laughs> it was tough because I enjoyed getting out in front of all different types of fans but um, Japan crawled I really wanted to crawl at my home and uh, I really I really thought it was my time to, to go for my dreams now was that hard I mean being obviously you're not Japanese descent at all was it hard going to a place with such different language different food different culture and you not being Japanese at all was it a hard in the beginning or did you find yourself fitting in rather quick uh, I mean, I wanted to fit in, but it was really hard to fit in because no matter how much studying or preparation you do, you're just tossed from the frying pan into the fire. And, uh, I mean, you hear, everyone knows, like, certain phrases or certain words just due to, you know, our, our culture. Everyone knows konnichiwa and stuff like that. But... I mean, you go in studying uh, a vocabulary, thinking that it's going to be able to be used when you're out there, and you can't say anything, you can't communicate. Everyone's is too fast; they don't understand what you're saying. So it's just like in a panic mode, and it's culture shock at, at the beginning. But if you want to fit in, um, if you want to to strive and survive in Japan, you'll find a way. And um, somehow I did, and now. Uh, I mean, communication and the language barrier has been completely eliminated, and I, I'm proud to call my home, or second home. Now, do you spend most of your time currently in Japan? Yeah. Uh, last year, I spent eight months of the year, almost nine months of the year in Japan. Uh, this year, I'm hoping to be home a little more, because uh, <laughs> I sort of felt like... Um, I've been away from like North American fans. I mean, they can see me on TV and on internet or whatever, but I feel that my physical presence has been uh, yes. So I really just want to show face, like literally in a literal sense, and uh, for myself too. Like I want to get in front of these crowds uh, in both Canada and U.S. and especially Canada, because even when I was at the height of my indiness, it was mostly just U.S. indies. So I want to get out to places like RCW now, and uh, you know, get in touch with these fans and kind of spread the word about New Japan and what I'm doing. You know what? You mentioned a bit about the Bullet Club being friends. Yeah. And, and is that a legitimate thing? Do you guys actually hang out and do things together when you're when you're in Japan? Yeah, uh, we are hanging out almost every day. Um, I mean, we're we're always traveling somewhere every day. But I mean, afterwards, especially if I'm with the Bucks, it's not even like, "Hey, Bucks, do you want to go out and do something?" It's just, "What are we going to do today?" You know, it's already given. AJ too, like it's it's us, uh, Bucks and AJ, uh, most of the time, <laughs> just because we have really similar interests. Um, Bucks and I have like real similar um, humor. And me and AJ were both like avid gamers, so we just always have a lot to talk about. And even like our wrestling styles really mesh well with each other. So um, it just like feels natural when we're hanging out and just like shooting the poop. I'm making sure to keep this G-rated, you know. Okay. You can keep it any rated you want. Okay, okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> So, okay, uh, you brought up uh, the Jackson brothers. Are they as crazy as they act in the ring? Uh, in the, your spare time, are they the, the crazy loud ones, or are you the crazy loud one? Oh, I think it's pretty equal. I mean, when we feel really crazy, we'll make sure we, we get it on camera. We are making some pretty cool vines um, in our spare time. Some that haven't even been released. Uh, 
I mean, usually there's there's always stuff going on all around us, stuff that's you know making us pissed off or stuff that's making us get wild, and uh, we're sort of like the uh, the window. The, we're we're each other's enablers when we all hang out together. <laughs> now, the only reason I did bring up AJ in that is we've had AJ on many times, and I don't get the feeling he's an out and out crazy wild guy. <laughs> he seems like the more quiet, fun, introspective guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the Bucks and I are definitely the more uh, loud of the of the four. Um, but AJ and I, are, you know, we have our, our own similarities, and uh, we connect on a different level because we're probably the only two gamers, foreign gamers, in in New Japan right now. So when we talk, it's just like nerd talk, um, and we just go on and on and on about you know retro systems, retro games, and have you beat this? Have you beat that? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? It's it's cool to take like the the, the time machine back and talk about all those things because I don't really get a chance to. It's yeah. You know what? Uh, one thing I do notice is uh, watching a bit of Japanese wrestling is a difference in the crowd reactions and the way people act during wrestling matches as compared to Canadian or North American uh, crowds. Yep. Did you find that a little disconcerting at first, just how different the people are? I mean, did you feel like maybe they didn't get you at first, or did you understand their way of reaction? Uh, well, I mean, I, I came up studying a lot of Japanese tapes, so it wasn't like uh, I went in... Yeah, I, I knew how the crowd reacted. <laughs> I knew um, that the silence wasn't necessarily that they disapproved or, or disliked what they were seeing. Um, it's just they're taking it in. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, at times when the crowd is silent... You just have to have confidence in yourself that what you're doing right now is has captured their attention. But I mean, this probably goes without anyone. You want to get them rocking. In the at the end of the day, at the best parts of the match, the most exciting parts of the match, you want to make sure that they're at the edge of their seats and just like throwing a fit. But in the times of the silence, if it isn't during those times, then you're probably there's a good chance you're doing your job. Well, you know, one one thing in all fairness too, the Bullet Club has grown this reputation of you guys actually make the Japanese fans almost react like North American fans with the way you've been uh, acting, which not people have been able to do for a very long time. Right, we're trying to condition them as such. Um, our antics in general are very North American. And uh, in my junior heavyweight run, I try to incorporate a lot of North American tactics. Um, I think that... Uh, much like our wrestling styles are very uh, international, we want the crowds to also be international. I don't want there to be like, this is a Japanese crowd, this is a Mexican crowd, and this is a, a Canadian crowd. Um, I would love for the Japanese fans to appreciate all types of wrestling and react um, appropriately. Just as you know, we're trying to make new styles, which are an, an amalgamation of all the different styles of pro wrestling. Now, do you find that the Japanese themselves, the reaction to certain things, is it very, very different? Because, like, I just want to bring up, before, uh, years before, I remember seeing you in a match with a nine-year-old girl. Like, how does kind of that stuff, or other people in the company fighting blow-up dolls and stuff like that, and yet they treat it like a very legitimate thing? Um, I feel that 
depending on what promotion you're in and depending on the situation the people are more receptive receptive to suspending their disbelief for you and then once you have that original suspension uh, you can create your own world your own set of rules and uh, within that universe that set universe proceed to uh, tell that audience the story that you had planned um, in the case of the little girl in the case of the sex doll or whatever um, the fans went into the match wanting to believe it's like yeah yeah it's like you know um, Agent Mulder he wants to believe you know so he wants to believe and he's he's ready to accept any possibility of anything happening um, <laughs> for that <laughs> that's why I mean that's one of the reasons why I live in Japan I mean they're at least willing to give everything a try you know whereas other fans they're very set on a certain type of thing that they want to see you know one thing that uh, is really interesting about the Bullet Club and, and the way you guys wrestle yeah. is I think what makes you guys so effective is unlike uh, other companies the heel you guys heels aren't chicken shits you don't run right. away and then try and get things in you maybe dastardly and do stuff but you guys are out there fighting <laughs> do you think that has been a big difference of what's made your your popularity so big there um, I mean I believe it's a factor of course mm-hmm. but I think in general it's our attitudes uh, outside of the ring uh, the way we carry ourselves, um, sometimes just our, our air of confidence in general. I think it, the fans pick up on it and they feel that that atmosphere that we bring to the ring. And I think that's why, like you said, I mean they're starting to react in a more North American way. I think it's because we come out and uh, it's it's not Japanese, it's not classical, uh, and the fans are are trying. They're they're reacting like they. Feel feel like they should react. Um, there's no way to pinpoint exactly why we became successful, but in general, um, I think it's it's mainly just because we're not bending to the age-old rule like, hey, this promotion is this style, or this promotion is this style. We just, we became Bullet Club, <laughs> and we said, we'll just do what we want, and that's it. The fans jumped on port. <laughs> well, you know what? The last thing I'll go into then is uh, your current incarnation or your nickname, The Cleaner. Yeah. Uh, the whole point of you're going to clean up the what you call trash from certain different uh, groups. Yeah. Where did that come from in your mind? Uh, well, I mean, originally, it, it, it had a completely different meaning. I was supposed to be, like, you know, it was supposed to be an assassin-esque type character. Um, like the professional, you know what I mean? But as I became more and more demented and just like zany, uh, I started to take the more literal sense of the word. And um, in my last batch, I've even incorporated trash cans and brooms. And, you know, even just like my play on words, like I'm going to clean up the garbage and stuff like that. So I'm sort of becoming like a janitor of, of sorts. But it's all in good fun. I don't, I, I, I enjoy it. I like it. And to be honest, I got a lot of real dedicated fans that, that do awesome fan art. And the fan art of me being a, a janitor is more fun than me being an assassin. So, okay. yeah. 
Well, you know what? If I'm a promoter who wants to book uh, Kenny Omega at a show, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, what places can uh, promoters and fans find you? Well, first, you got to make sure you have a lot of money. <laughs> but aside from that, uh, I am on both Facebook and Twitter. Um, Facebook, I'm just Kenny Omega. There's a lot of fake accounts, but uh, it's Bullet Club, The Cleaner, Kenny Omega, like, face on it. It should be obvious, because I'm like, my friends list is maxed out. Um, <laughs> that wasn't even me bragging. It's just like, that's, I'm just saying. Uh, and <laughs> my Twitter is at Kenny Omega Man X. And, um, yeah, that's me on there. I, I monitor it almost every day, pretty much every day. So, um... And you are going to take bookings anywhere across North America now that people want to see you. You want to get in there in some Canadian and North American. Yeah, I mean, if I can. I, I mean, I still have a very busy schedule, but I'll squeeze them in when I can. And uh, if it works out, I'm interested. If it doesn't work out, we'll try next time. That's, that's pretty much it. You know, well, we want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. And we look forward to seeing you again, Mr. Omega. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Well, that was this week's time capsule. We're going to take a break now. When we get back, we're looking at ROH, Lucha Underground, and a whole lot more. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. Listen to the Wrestling POV Podcast. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Wow, man. We are back. Wow. I just, I, I just can't believe it. Like that, that interview was amazing, man. Like Kenny Omega, if you don't like this guy, then there's something definitely wrong with you. I mean, the guy can talk. I mean... What does breath smell like? <laughs> I don't remember exactly what his breath smelled like, but I do remember thinking he was a very down-to-earth guy who had some f- tremendous ideas of what wrestling could, should, and will be in the future. And he has been changing uh, the face of New Japan in the last three years since this interview. Absolutely, man. I mean, it was a great interview. Great hearing from Kenny Omega. And, and it, again, it's always great to see... Or listen to wrestlers from the other side of the curtain, you know, when they're actually sitting down talking to uh, a journalist like yourself or just talking to the fans. I mean, it's always great because, again, they are fans of wrestling themselves. And that's I think that's the best kind of wrestler when them themselves are fans. Well, you know what? Uh, I have coming up another great interview in two weeks that uh, another man who fascinated me with his uh, knowledge of wrestling. And that was current NWA world champion Nick Aldis. Uh, also known as Magnus from TNA, we sat down for a good, must be 15, 20 minutes, and he was really fat. I, you know, going in, I hadn't known a lot about him. I'd seen the Magnus thing and didn't know what I was going to get myself into. I was so impressed with the way and the things he talked about here. Oh, well, that's that's great to hear. That's going to be something definitely to look forward to in, in the next two weeks. All right, guys, just to let you know, Wrestling POV podcast and wrestling pov global is affiliated with the collar and elbow brand head over to collar and and save yourself 10 percent by using promo code wpov you know tj that's more than nine percent it's less than 11 but it's more than nine percent it's 10 percent off by using promo code wpov they got new shirts they got hoodies they got hats they got sunglasses and let me tell you something guy this Collar and Elbow brand, they support local indie wrestling. They also support podcasts like our own. I mean, it's amazing. Go to CollarNelbowBrand.com. Save yourself 10% by using promo code WPOV. And now, TJ, what do we got coming up next? We have Honor Roll time with ROH, Ring of Honor time. We have just finished Survival of the Fittest. And Survival of the Fittest is one of those big 
tournament type things of the year where it determines the number one contender to go after the world champion. We had a bunch of interesting, crazy matches. I mean, I'm only going to touch on a few of them because it's a big tournament. And it was really uniquely done this year because it was a series of matches where there were a couple one-on-one matches and a couple three-way dance matches. And the winners of each came down to six men who fought each other in a elimination-style match with the winner becoming the new number one contender for the ROH belt. Um, standout matches in there. Uh, Jonathan Grisham beating Tracy Williams. A lot of people didn't know who Hot Sauce Tracy Williams is. He's been a, a name across the Indies for a while, has not had an opportunity to step on a national level like this, but he gave such a great match. He didn't win. Gresham did, in fact, win, but Tracy Williams came out of there looking like a star and a guy to keep your eye on. Absolutely. When you have a match like that, it just they call you Hot Sauce for a reason because you know it has a lasting effect, and that's exactly what he had in this matchup. I mean... You lose the match, but people are talking about you. That's a good sign. Well, you know, Jonathan Gresham, known as this guy who's the man of a gazillion holds almost, seems to be snaking over you with every possible hold he can get. But Tracy Williams, you know what? There was not one punch thrown through this entire match. It was incredible locks after moves. It was a kind of a refreshing sight to see. You don't get to see that in a lot in wrestling. So it was a, definitely a match that I wanted to, say, take a look at at Survival of the Fittest. Absolutely. Moving on, um, there's a guy, I just wanted to kind of point him out, and I don't know how much more we'll see of him, but uh, he did lose his match. P.J. Black, do you remember P.J. Black used to be in the WWE as uh, the South African guy, Gabriel something? Justin uh, Gabriel. Justin Gabriel. Well, he took on a guy, and I know you're going to laugh your head off when you hear this. His name was Luchasaurus. Wow. <laughs> And Luchasaurus was a very large luchador wrestler in a dinosaur kind of getup. But he was actually really somebody. I'm going to do a lot more research. This just came up. I don't know who this guy is, but he's obviously somebody because he really put on a heck of a match. And I want to see more of Luchasaurus, as silly as that sentence just sounded coming out of I, I mean, the silly. I mean, if. If the guy can wrestle, the guy can wrestle. I mean, Luchasaurus, I mean, it's just it's just a name you don't forget. So you got to give it that. Yeah, I mean, the guy definitely can wrestle. I mean, you have to be able to wrestle with a name like that because I don't know how much respect you can get with a name like that. But obviously, he put on a great match against P.J. Black. P.J. Black, Justin Gabriel is just amazing. Too bad. He was just injury-prone with WWE and just... Just didn't pan out for him. I wish I wish he would come back. I think he would have a good run. You know, seeing PJ Black team up with Neville, I think that would be a good pairing. What do you think? Wow, about that? wow, that is that is really good. I like that. Um, on this card, we got to see Madison Rain. Now, Madison Rain, formerly of TNA, who had been uh, a stalwart of that company, has been one of the top women wrestlers. She really put on, she's been looking really great. She's only on a one-year contract with ROH. She says this is probably her last year of wrestling. But she put on a great match with uh, Britt Barker. And I think she may take a one last run at the women's title before her retirement here. Great. She's a just a fabulous wrestler, and I really enjoyed watching her. There yeah. was also, sorry. Yeah. Madison Rain was always one of my favorites back in the day with TNA. I mean, when she came in with the beautiful people, she was always... I think she was the better wrestler out of the three girls, and she definitely she definitely needs the respect, and I think one more title run is definitely in her future. 
Now, we talked in the past about the kingdom and how they had a conspiracy, yeah. they believed, a conspiracy against them. Well, they say the conspiracy finally has been broken because they managed to defeat the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes for the ROH six-man title. Exciting, fun match. Did not like the ending of this match. It seems to be Cody Rhodes' biggest downfall lately is his wife, Brandy Rhodes. End of this match, somehow Tave, Matt Taven knocked out uh, Brandy Rhodes. And as Cody went over to help her, he apologized. And then he punched out Cody Rhodes, threw him in the ring, and the Kingdom are the new champions. Wow. I see a lot for the Kingdom. They're a good team. I'm wondering, though, how much longer the Young Bucks are looking for ROH. I mean, it's scary because it's like they're already talking about how they're not going to be part of the Bullet Club anymore. They stopped. They talked about how they're going to stop making Bullet Club shirts. Um, I think the Young Bucks might be WWE bound. I don't know, man. I just have this this feeling, and all I can say is, don't do it, Young Bucks. Stay away. I got to agree. That would be probably one of the most tragic mistakes I think we could uh, possibly see. Now, the next match I want to touch on because it's so cool to see this kind of match. The ROH World Champion, Jay Lethal, teaming up with the ROH TV Champion, Jeff Cobb, to take on the ROH Tag Team Champion, SoCal Uncensored, represented by Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. It was not for the belts, but this was a tremendously fun match with the ROH World Champion and the ROH TV Champion, Lethal and Cobb, coming out on top in a tremendous battle, and Jeff Cobb finally getting... A look on a giant national scale. I've known this guy for many years. I think I even have an interview with him from years back. Um, Jeff Cobb finally getting a chance to step up and show that he deserves to run with the big boys. Yeah, I mean, the guy looked impressive. And, I mean, who don't you have an interview with, TJ? <laughs> no, you know what? I know a lot of indie guys over the last couple of years. But I met Jeff Cobb about uh, six years ago. Um, he was not... Obviously, on a national scale, he was wrestling out of Hawaii. He come in with a friend of his, and they were calling themselves the the Island Boys. I took a look at this guy, and I even said to the guys around me, "Keep an eye on that guy. He's got a build on him, and he has a style of wrestling that I think we will see him in the future." And so, I'm very proud to see him all over New Japan, ROH, and the things he's done across the Indies. I think he's a breakout star. And you've watched Lucha Underground. You know that crazy guy with the keep chained in the basement with the mask on and the mm -hmm. full body Michael Myers suit. That's Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So we're going to move on to the finally the last part, survival of the fittest, the six-man uh, elimination to decide the new number one contender, and it is the villain, Marty Skrull, will oh, now man. be the number one contender to Jay Lethal. Yeah, uh, Mar Marty Skrull. I mean, I love this guy. He's my favorite heel. He's my favorite villain. The guy just portrays a villain, and he does it so well. Um. It's going to be great. Him and Jay Lethal uh, locking up once again. It's going to be an amazing matchup. I can't wait to see that. Well, you know what? That, that was some great times in ROH. There's been so many things going on. We could have talked a whole lot more about a lot of stuff, but there's, they're at that season where they're just throwing so many things going on. But we decided we're going to just concentrate on the big things. But now I want to move on and go in to Lucha Underground. It's our ultimate Lucha time. Yes, Lucha, Lucha, Lucha. Well, this week we had three matches. Now, fans, we've talked about this, of how Lucha Underground is a fantasy-type setting. A lot of the characters you see are actually portrayed by other wrestlers. And during these matches, I'm going to tell you some of those wrestlers, and you may recognize some of them right off the bat, and some of them you go, hey, 
I didn't know that was him. We're going to do the opening match. Had the reptile tribe of Cobra Moon, Daga, and Jeremiah Snake beating the team of Ivalice, Exolicious, Sammy Guevara, and also the team of the White Rabbit, Paul London, and Al Bunny. Now, that's a lot of people <laughs> in there. And I want yeah. to prefer something. Now, Rick, do you know much about actual three-way luchador wrestling from Mexico? I mean, all I know is that it's a definitely a lucha party. I mean, it's just chaos when you have that many men in the ring at the same time. Well, one of the things, too, and I think uh, fans may find this very strange or odd, but traditionally in some of the three-man matches they have in Mexico, they feature a man, a woman, and... Uh, how do you say this? I'm not so sure. Is it a man or is it a woman? Oh, and an in-betweener. That, yeah, and that's one of what they, one of the teams had that exolicious. Is it a, is exolicious a man or a woman? They don't say it could be either. It looks very much, and that's a tradition in Mexican wrestling to have that three man type of, or three person type of team. Oh, interesting. But I, but I want to tell you about this reptile tribe, Cobra Moon. If you look closely, that's Thunder Rosa, who's been competing all across um, in Mexico. Uh, Jeremiah Snake, Sammy Callahan. There's no way wow. you could not have recognized him. Wow. When we looked at the other team, Evelisa, Exolicious, and Sammy Guevara, they compete under those names. But here's the ones that are going to throw you now, okay? Okay. Paul London. Yes, we know Paul London. White Rabbit currently competes in TNA as Killer Cross. That's the same wow. guy. And this is the one that's going to blow you away, Rick. Okay. L Bunny. Wrestles also as at Masquerita Dorada, who was also El Torito in WWE for wow. Los Matadors, who were the yeah. clones. That is crazy. You know, the one that I'm really intrigued by, though, is this Paul London guy. Is this the same Paul London from WWE? I mean, that's just yes. too much of a coincidence. It totally is. Um, obviously, Paul slowed down a bit. His style is not so high-flying, but he plays a very creepy character. This week's oh, yeah. episode, he was the one guy who stood out. He made Exolicious seem normal. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm loving this Paul London. I mean, if you, ask, if you ask the question, who's better off right now? Is it the Brian Kendrick or is it Paul London? I would have to go with Paul London. What about you? Well, that's a tough one. You know, Paul London... We remember what happened to Paul London. He yeah. uh, did something stupid backstage on camera in front of Vince McMahon, and all of a sudden, he has never been in the WWE again. So that's been a sad thing. Brian Kendrick is still, you know, he's hanging around with the cruiserweight, so he's probably making a lot more money. But, uh, yeah, I think maybe Brian Kendrick got the better end of the stick of that team, but I always thought Paul Lennon was the much more talented guy of that pairing. Absolutely. Well, you know what? The second match uh, is part of a big storyline going on, and that's uh, Johnny Mundo, who we know in TNA as Johnny Impact. His wife, Taya Valkyrie, uh, recently they got married on Lucha Underground, yep. and there's a character there called Ricky Mundo who changed his name, by the way. He isn't really Ricky Mundo. He changed it because he's so obsessed with Johnny Mundo, he changed his name to Ricky Mundo, and he actually ruined Taya Valkyrie's wedding. And she got her revenge this episode. My goodness, I've never seen a woman beat the stuffings out of a guy so thoroughly and so angrily. It was kind of uncomfortable, Rick. I mean, I have you ever heard the term bridezilla? I mean, yes. you don't mess with a woman on her wedding day. That's what you get. And then let's go into the main event. The main event 
was pretty amazing. And it featured two wrestlers. We know them as Son of Havoc and Killshot. Now, to give some clarifications before we go into the story, Son of Havoc, you may know him in the past as Mad Dog 20 or Matt Cross. He yeah. was all yeah. across the independence. And Killshot is the former, just recently former um, champion, Shane Strickland. So these are two really great wrestlers. And they went, the story here was, these are two guys who were forced to team up. They did not trust each other because they both wear masks. They refused to share anything with each other. And they attacked each other. So Lucha Underground decided to put them together in a match Mask versus mask. Which is probably the, the scariest match for any luchador. And you, you want me to explain that, or would you like to, Rick, what, what the mask means? I mean, I, I think you're the man. You're the man for the plan, yeah. man. Well, down in Mexico, there are so many things uh, that are a little bit different in wrestling than it is here. But the biggest thing is the mask. Here, we use the mask as a thing of where a guy's hiding out. But in Mexico, the mask is a symbol of your family, of your pride. And the mask is something that every Mexican wrestler aspires to have, his own mask and his own masked identity. When that's taken away, it's considered kind of the ultimate shame. So in Lucha Underground, were two guys who were very dedicated to wearing masks. They've never said why. So this was going to turn out to be a shameful thing for one of these guys who loses. Um, there was conjectures. I mean, we, they talked about Son of Havoc. He's known to be a biker. Is the reason he wears a mask that he's wanted by the law? Is he an outlaw biker that other bikers want to, to, to beat up? Nobody knows. Killshot. There's been some kind of rumors that he's a soldier. Is he missing in action? Has he, uh, has he gone AWOL? Why is he wearing a mask? Well, we were going to find out something today at the end of this match. And it was a tremendous match. I mean, Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. These guys really know how to work. But at the end, Killshot gets pinned, gets the mask removed. We see his face. And then just sort of the rumblings and talkings. I think the story here we got is that Killshot was a disgraced soldier who may have left people to die behind enemy lines. And he was very ashamed to show his face. I mean, who can't say that they don't love Vucha Underground? I mean, the drama alone. And then you get wrestling on top of it. I mean, you, you, who doesn't want to tune in every week to this kind of stuff, man? Well, you know, we forced Magic Mike to watch some of these episodes, and he went in with a negative mind, and he came out with saying, you know what, I think I kind of like it, TJ. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So we converted him. Definitely. But you know Folks, you've got to check out Lucha Underground. The, the episodes are coming out weekly right now. It's in its fourth season, and it's really, really a fun mix of fantasy and wrestling. And really, if you're a wrestling fan... How could you not like that? Your exactly. own fantasy story. So, Rick, I know you're visiting us right now, and, and I thank you for jumping in, but this is the tough part of the show now. Mm -hmm. This is what we call face-off. Oh, now, last week, last week, you guys put a poll up after the face-off. I lost. Magic Mike won 76% of the fans to my 24%. 76% thought that The Undertaker would make a much scarier movie. I went with Papa Shanga. I got to admit, I was kind of goofing off, so I am not that surprised that I lost. And but you know what, TJ? Let me let me just interrupt you for a second because you know, even though you lost the poll by a landslide, we did have some fans actually uh, comment, and I'm gonna read off some of the comments. We had Sean Patrick Murphy said it's hard to pinpoint exactly what Undertaker is 
or what his domain of power is. He is the dead man, the phenom, but what are his powers besides call, calling lightning, having a cult, and being possessed of unnatural stamina? However, it's abundantly clear that Papa Shango deals in voodoo, which would be a terrifying zombie flick or something. And then we hear from Chris Hoft, who says, People are confusing this with, Who is your favorite wrestler? Dead Man is not scary at all. Papa Shango, on the other hand, has the makings of being perfect horror movie villain. I mean, so at least those two guys are with you, TJ. I mean, just the rest of the voters said, um, I'd rather see The Undertaker in a horror movie. Yeah, I know bikers can get really scary sometimes. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> all right, today's topic. Are you ready for this? I'm going to let you go first. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you what the topic is, okay? All right, let's now do we, it. Well, you know what the topic is. We talked about it earlier just to set up what we were talking about. The topic is this. Recently on Bound for Glory, Austin Aries pulled off sort of the finger poke of doom thing where he got up, acted like what happened was was a complete fake. He got mad, stormed off, kind of spit at the referee, and walked out of the company. Now, originally... Magic Mike thought this was uh, this was real, and I believe you too, Rick Serrano the third, believe this. What we saw was the real Austin Aries and real life unfolding. I, on the other hand, believe that this is another storyline that the company's going to try and swerve our way. So you know what, Rick Serrano, convince the people that that was real. All right, you know, like you said, at first I was hesitant on this. I was like, you know what, that can't be real. There's no way. But then again. People, we're talking about Austin Douchebag Aries. The guy is a douchebag. He's just everywhere he's been, he always finds problems. Now I get it. He was upset at not being on the WrestleMania DVD. He was upset at being on the pre-show. But you know what, dude? You were on WrestleMania. You need to get your head out your ass. Then you go over to Impact Wrestling. You get the title instantly. Like everybody who goes to Impact they get the title instantly, and then you have the nerve to be upset when you lose the title, and then you walk out like that, and then you flip off the crowd, you flip off the owners, you flip off the ref, you flip off, like, come on, dude, and then it's just, the guy is just a douchebag, he just loves attention, this whole vegan thing, like, I have nothing against vegans or anything, but the things that he puts on his Instagram, it's just, you're just a douchebag. So, yes, I can believe that he just got up and walked out of the company because Austin Aries, believe it or not, is a douchebag. TJ? Well, you know what? All douchiness aside, wrestling has always been smoke and mirrors. It's a carnival run by carnies. That's how it all started. And you know what? Those carny things still continue today. I've been backstage many times where I've seen guys take uh, – take power tools to each other to try and kill each other. Then they're backstage having a beer, talking about what they're going to do next. Do I think that was real? No. I think that, uh, well, look at it this way. The whole start of this thing, when Austin Aries uh, said the things he said about Ty Valkyrie, they ended up on TMZ. TMZ, that, that's a pretty big score for a wrestling company. And I know that if I wasn't the WWE and I got my guys on TMZ, I would think there's a story there that needs to go further. And what would be the best way to do it? Well, they, it all came about because Austin Aries said bad things in a real light about Taya Valkyrie, and it made Johnny Impact mad because this is his wife. Let's play on that whole reality. Let's have the fact that Austin Aries, who's such a dick, 
walks out. He's going to storm out. And, and TNAs keep throwing out feelers saying, oh, we kind of like him. And we're, we're, yeah, he's gone, but we, you know, we were still open to working with him. What is that set up? That sets up him staying away for a little bit longer, them still throwing out feelers, and boom, somewhere he jumps in on the next big pay-per-view and attacks Johnny Mundo, and then it all gets revealed that you know this was his ploy to, to make more money or what the storyline they'll use from it. But I do believe 100% that this is a storyline. We've seen it many times. This is Vince Russo-type booking where let's take something and try and blur the lines between reality and fake. And unfortunately for me, I think that is the worst kind of storyline. Uh, you know what, TJ? Um, after listening to everything you had to say, I do have to say it is interesting, but stupid. I mean, come on, man. Get oh, real. Would, Rick, I would not say you're stupid. You, you, you tried. You no, tried. no, no, no. I was talking about you, TJ. <laughs> come on. Listen. All right. Listen, fans. Obviously, this face-off just got real intense, and we're going to need you guys to sell this. So make sure you check out our Facebook page at Wrestling POV, and let us know, who do you think won this face-off? Was it the third wheel, Rick Sorrento the third, or was it the Canadian Destroyer, TJ Logan? Make sure you check it out on our Facebook page. Let us know. We'll set up a poll, and you guys let us know in the comment section who won this, and next week we'll find out who the real face-off champ is. Woo-hoo. You make it spicy, folks. We don't even know if he'll be back to defend it for a while, so we'll see. First of all, Rick, thank you for uh, popping in. I know you were taking a shower and it was hard work. Unfortunately, Magic Mike went down, Magic Bullet or something, maybe the finger poke of doom. I don't know, but uh, hopefully he's uh, up and at him for next week. Uh, thank you. I look forward to listening to you guys this weekend on Wrestling POV. The stuff you guys talk about in the WWE makes me laugh my head off. I enjoy it. And... How can I not miss Miguel? Sorry, Tony and Mimi. I'm not trying to throw you guys out there, but come on. Why are you going to give that intern his own spotlight? Well, listen, man. The guy's head is already full of stuffing. We don't need to fill it up with any hot air. I mean, the guy gets on my nerves all the time. He's living with me. He's Wait, what? No. Miguel, back up. Oh, my goodness. Hello, everybody. Oh, my goodness. I am on the Wrestling POV Global Podcast. This is amazing. TJ Logan, why? Why are you so bald? Oh, my goodness. This show is crazy. Oh, my God. I, I can't believe it. I am the best person ever. And this is why. No, this, this, is, this is why we don't have him. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Okay. You listen, guys. Yes, like TJ said, you can check us out on Wrestling POV Podcast every Saturday for new episodes for all your WWE coverage. Don't miss out on the only place where you can find the pay-per-view points game. Every pay-per-view, you can win the Wrestling POV Championship, the Interstate Championship, or the Overseas Championship. And if you're in last place, you get the smelliest award of all, the Rick Serrano the Turd Award. You don't want that. But, again, thanks for having me on the show. It's been a great time. I'll always be here for you guys at Wrestling POV Global, where you can find all your New Japan, Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, Impact, and some great indie wrestling, and including the Time Capsule. We just listened to an interview with Kenny freaking Omega, and we got some big names coming up. This is a great show. Make sure you tell your friends about it. Tell your grandmother about it. Tell your grandfather about it. Tell your great-great-grandfather's next-door neighbor who's humping his sister about it. Because you don't want to miss this show every Wednesday. How about that, TJ? Wow, you make me want to watch it, and I'm part of it. Well, (laughs) (laughs) folks, tune in next time. we got a lot of things to talk about. Have yourselves a great night. 
Thank you.